What's up, everybody? Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast with your host, Aaron Dante, who brings you the hottest interviews with the dopest people sharing their experiences all across the world. Now, here's your host, Aaron Dante. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today, we are live and direct at Open Works Baltimore. I am so excited to be here. You know, when Will, the director, came up to me and said, hey, let's do a live show. I was thinking, I don't really know about Open Works. I really don't want to come down here. He's like, come on, let's do something. So then I said, all right, if we're going to do a live show, I want to do a Black Acres Roastery. He's like, what? I said, I want to do a live show with these guys. And he said, well, you already have a sponsor with somebody else, a coffee company. It doesn't matter. I want to show what black representation matters and it means out here for coffee shops and coffee owners. It's very important with my podcast, Show Representation. There's other places in Baltimore that are doing big things. So without further ado, Mr. Travis Bell, the owner of Black Acre Roastery, how are you doing today? Great, Aaron. How are you? Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I'm glad we finally made it happen. Yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm looking forward to this. Definitely, man. Definitely. So we are here. Tell us a little bit. Are you from Baltimore? I'm not, actually. I'm from uh, enemy territory, Pittsburgh. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. The crowd got a little nervous out here. Got a little nervous. <laughs> Don't so, leave. Everyone stay, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. How'd you get to Baltimore out of to Pittsburgh? <laughs> yeah. So um, my background is occupational therapy, and I had come here back in 2010 as a travel therapist. Um, was here for about four months, really enjoyed myself here, kept traveling for a little bit longer, and uh, my boss at that time uh, wanted me to stay, but I kept, like I mentioned, traveling, and his brother lived in Pittsburgh, so every time I'd go home to visit family, um, his brother would take me out to dinner, wine and dine me a little bit, tell me to move back to Baltimore and work for his brother's company. Um, I eventually did that in 2012, and so I was uh, living downtown, and that's how I ended up back here um, doing occupational therapy the last um, about 10 years. Okay, so then growing up, what was like your favorite childhood memory? Like if you could think of anything, like for me when I grew up in Baltimore, uh, right down the street, 33rd Street, uh, Greenmont, uh, it was uh, Eddie, Eddie Murray, that was my man. Like I used to go to every Orioles game, get my peanuts from Lexington Market, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. It's a little drop right there. But, um, and that was my favorite childhood, going to Orioles games. What about yourself? Yeah, I think always just being outside. Um, I remember always playing kickball and hide and seek with the neighborhood kids, and then always going to my grandparents to um, hang out with my cousins. My dad has 10 brothers and two sisters, so it was always a group of us over there, and my um, grandfather had a, uh, a candy shop. So we'd always be able to go over there and grab candy, have to pay for it still, um, just so we understood what the, you know what money was and things. But uh, it was always fun to go over there and just hang out with my cousins, get to know them, since we didn't live, you know, right down the street from each other. That's funny because my my dad has the same like he has uh, three sisters and nine brothers, so I, I get it. My when I was growing up, my cousins were my friends. I didn't have friends, so that's who we hung out with was family, kind of something like kind of similar. We yeah. had a, and we actually had three convenience stores in Baltimore, which wow. is crazy, which is real crazy. So when at a young age, you learned how to sell Newport cigarettes, and you knew how to sell like do food stamps, like you learned like 
the dollar. You understood how business works. So it's really cool that your your parent, your grandfather was like, hey, you got to pay for that candy. Mm-hmm. It taught you about the, the dollar. Yeah. Yeah, man. So where, how'd you get into, let, let me, you got to Baltimore. Let's take us through, how do we even get to here? How do we even get to like the coffee scene? Yeah. So um, when I was doing travel therapy, I would always go to cafes and places um, just to do work. And I loved cold brew, always grabbed cold brew everywhere I went. Um, when I moved back to Baltimore, I was heavy into CrossFit, so cold brew was always just something uh, for energy, and so I continued to drink that through my time doing occupational therapy and CrossFit. Um, and then one day, I just realized that there was no uh, really a lot of options for coffee shops in the Baltimore area. I live in um, Highland Town. I was living in Canton at the time, and I just moved over to Highland Town, and knowing I had to drive across town just to get a good cup of coffee or cold brew was just like, man, this is so much. Why, why is there not more coffee shops when you can go to D.C., Philly, even Pittsburgh? There's coffee shops, you know, every, every few blocks to get coffee. So I was just like, well, let me just see what this looks like. I wanted to see if maybe cold brew delivery door-to-door would be something that would be an option. I was like, this would be fun. And uh, I was like, I don't want to use someone else's coffee, though. So I wanted to make it my own. So I had looked into roasting, found a uh, company that had some YouTube videos, uh, Mill City Roasters, based out of Minnesota. I was like, well, here we go. Went to Minnesota, did some uh, training courses there on roasting, and just fell in love with the process. The creativity, the the artistic ability to just transform a a coffee into this, you know, beverage that everyone drinks on a daily basis, whether it's for energy or just for a conversation. It was, was, I just fell in love with it. no Picks After Dark podcast is proudly sponsored by Open Works Baltimore. Open Works is Baltimore's largest makerspace, offering access to tools ranging from 3D printers to welders and training in how to use them. Open Works also offers affordable studio space, a coffee shop, and fun and free events throughout the year. But Open Works is more than a public workshop, it's a community of creative professionals, students, seniors, entrepreneurs and makers of all kinds check out the website at www.openworksbmore.org or instagram at open underscore works underscore be more for class schedules membership options and more all right folks we are back live at open works and i forgot to say that it's their fifth anniversary so exactly we're we're uh, closing off the bang with open work so exactly i'm happy to be here thank you everybody for showing up i really appreciate you guys taking any time on a saturday morning again it's early it's 11 a.m so i know a lot of sleepy eyes out there so we're back and um you mentioned a little bit about crossfit how did that like we talked about it like how did you and crossfit just that marriage work together yeah so when i had first realized what crossfit was i thought it was just another one of those uh, fad workouts and I was against it. And I had gotten a Groupon when I was in Tampa for it and just um, took a chance on it. I was like, cool, it's 20 bucks, check it out. And I remember um, while I was there, I sprained my wrist doing a tire flip. I was like, man, this is terrible. I can't believe I even <laughs> bothered to do this. Um, but after that, I had moved to California and found another gym that was actually like um, pretty heavy in the CrossFit community. So they were pretty well known. And I tried them out and it was a great experience. And then I moved back to, when I moved to Baltimore. I found another gym that was over in Harbor East um, and just met great people there. And from there, I just fell in love with CrossFit and it has since brought me a lot of great friendships. 
So um, it's been an intricate part. And, and actually, I met my wife, too, at CrossFit. So it's been a pretty intricate part of my life. Nice, nice. Because I see a lot of uh, people from CrossFit who have, they, they sell, they have your product. And they really love what you got going on. Um, we were talking about McSweeney. Yeah. She's a, a realtor in Baltimore. And every time she sells a house, she always has this in her bag. Yeah, so, she does our cans or the, the bag coffee. She's been a day one supporter. So she's been great. Great friend. So let's talk about the business side of things, okay? When did you realize this is what's going to be? I'm leaving my nine to five. It's time to really just go all in. Because that's a scary moment in anybody's life. Well, yeah. So I'm actually still working um, my regular job. So I'm doing that about two or three days a week um, as we continue to uh, get set up to do our cafe. Um, I've been able to juggle it for the most part just because we've been primarily doing uh, e-commerce and wholesale. So I don't need to physically always be uh, available on a day-to-day basis. But um, we just have been doing markets on the weekends and pop-ups and things. So that's when really need to be uh, face-to-face with people. Uh, but now that the cafe is about to open up, that will change the dam- dynamic a little bit. So um, that will be interesting how we um, see how much traffic we actually get in here and really have to start to really push what we're doing. So this podcast is a great help for that to let people know that we'll be opening up soon. And so you were in Highland Town before. Yes. And the, the traffic flow was nice over there. And that's, you told me today the name of the Zasia. Is it Sia, yeah, Sia. so that's um, one of our signature blends. So we had started in uh, the Saya building, which is which was the old Southeast Youth Association building. Um, one of my best friends, Mimi, she had started a business, a CrossFit wellness space. And so that was on the first floor. And um, throughout the other side of the building was a three-level floor. And there was space on the third floor, and that's where I actually started roasting. She had space for me to be in there. I had probably like a 200 square foot room. It was so tiny and crammed everything we could in there. Uh, They had a little kitchen set up on the first floor, so I was able to do what we needed to down there for cleaning stuff. So it was um, a great start that just kind of fell in my lap because I was nervous about like renting somewhere and saying, oh, I need a three release to do this. I was looking at community kitchens and the ventilation for that was like super expensive, more than the machine that cost. So I was like, this doesn't work. And unfortunately, that opened up. So I think it was meant to be. And then you, how'd you connect with Open Works? How did it even happen? Just as far as jumping around, but how did it, because I'm like, this is a great location. You're basically in the middle of the city right now. And it's like a great area. So how did it even connection? How did it happen? Yeah. So uh, a friend, um, a mentor, Jim Peterson, had reached out to me and was like, hey, Open Works is looking to, uh, at a, a new coffee shop in there. Would you be interested? And I was like, oh, we're kind of working over here in Highland Town. We got this uh, building we're going to open up. So, uh, but I'll reach out. Let's just, you know, see what they're doing, see what things would be over there. And had a conversation with Will, and it, uh, one thing led to the next. And before we knew it, we were signing a lease to, to move in here. Um, and it's been great. Um, everyone's been welcoming here. It's been nice to uh, be in a space that is uh, very supportive of what we want to do and, and how we want to do it. Um, they're going to assist us in putting in a takeout window, and we're going to get some signage up as well. So we look to you know, bring a new dynamic to the space here along with the staff that are here. Now, are you the only black-owned roastery like brewery in Baltimore? Coffee? No, there's actually a few others um, who I've met through being a coffee roaster. I had no idea that even when I first started doing coffee, I had no idea that there was any other black roasters anywhere. Um, I think at the time when I first started, I could count them on my hand. Um, Since the unfortunate death of George Floyd, 
I've been able to shine a lot more light on other uh, black coffee companies, black roasters. So there's actually quite a few dozen across the country, which is great. Um, but being uh, black here, it's been good because uh, there's uh, Candice, who is uh, Southeastern Roastery, and then uh, Vagrant as well. Josh is over there. So um, there's a few of us here. Hey, we got we to gotta get you guys out here on the, on the show. We got to get it more like a round table. Yeah, I would love to later do that. On. I would love to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to jump around too much, but since we're talking about things, they're also going to Lexington Market, the new Lexington Market. Talk a little bit about that whole process, about you going there. Like, did they want you there? Or did you, how did you sign up? Like, did you bid? How did that all work out? Yeah, so they had an open enrollment. So we put an application, and you had to go through an interview process. So I went and, you know, pitched our business, um, told them who I was, what I was about, what we've been doing, what our, you know, vision is uh, moving forward. Um, they had samples of the coffee, so... It was just, um, I think everything came together nicely, and they were, you know, very excited about it and don't really have a, a real coffee presence in the current Lexington market, so it was nice that they were looking to provide that to the community in that space, so I was very excited about that opportunity. Um, and then we got selected through their first round of applications, and since then they've done, like, uh, some job coaching, uh, business coaching, just to assist us in being able to be in that space and make sure we're successful in that space. And they're providing us some uh, build-out cost to, uh, to be able to, you know, outfit the space to where it looks, you know, a phenomenal. It's going to look amazing. Done some, uh, some design plans that look really amazing. So, um, yeah, we're really excited for that opportunity. Seawall's been very good with selecting people for, that, for the space, so. Now, see, I'm old school, and I don't know if anybody in the audience used to go get the peanuts down there in Lexington Market. They had the best peanuts, and you get the best crab cake from Fairleys, if you know about that, down Lexington Market also. Yeah, I'm familiar, too. I, um, <laughs> when I first moved to Baltimore, I actually lived on Utah right across from the Hippodrome. So I'd go to uh, Lexington Market, get food, and then I'd go get a haircut down the street. So it'd be like my Saturday routine. So very familiar. So I'm very excited to be able to say that after living here for this long, I'm able to actually be a vendor in that space. It's very exciting. I love to hear that. I know, I know we got some visitors in the audience from Visit Baltimore who uh, they are working with Seawall also on that project too. So shout out to Visit Baltimore. I'm not gonna, tell you, I'm not gonna say who they are, but they're here. But uh, again, thank you guys for showing up. But uh, so what trials and tribulations have you ran into as far as starting your business, as far as things that, you know, you don't, we always see the pretty things on IG. What things that you could say that was a struggle that you've gone through as far as your business to get people a little peek behind the curtain? Yeah, I think just running a business, it's a challenge. There's a lot of obstacles that you can't put on paper, things that just come up one day from the next that you have to pivot to. Um, whether it's uh, working out, uh, you know, a lease for a space or working with the, uh, the city to get permitting for one thing or another, uh, financing, um, the hurdles are there and they're constant. And you have to be resilient to be able to, you know, really push a business past those first, you know, three to five years to really make it sustainable. So um, it's, been, it's been a good struggle, though. It's been a learning process. I've enjoyed every minute of it. There's, you know, times I want to just like scream out loud, but then there's other times where it's just like I can't stop smiling because things are going so well. So um, it's just been, yeah, it's been a roller coaster of emotions and good emotions. So, um, yeah, there's just so much, so much that can come from it. And I always talk with black businesses about, I don't know, and I don't know if you had to go through this, of going to the bank and asking for money. Did you have to 
had to go through that yet? Oh yeah, and it's that's been a challenge. Yeah, that's, Getting that's, loans that's, that's what and I financing want to go <laughs> um, has been quite the hurdle. Uh, we've gotten some grant money, we've got some uh, personal money that we've put up for the business, um, but we really haven't had any you know straight line loans from a bank or a, a lending company just because of the hurdles that are present. Um, like I know there's opportunities here in Baltimore for uh, us to have access to those things, but there's still still a challenge because it's such a limited amount for the amount of people that are applying for it. So it's you're still one of a hundred people that are trying to get a you know two loans that are available. So it can st- it's still a challenge even though there's some you know marketing for those things available. Yeah, I mean I tell people all the time. We were talking earlier, you know podcasting you, you kind of think you know the art of it, the art of doing things kind of like you the art doing your roasting and whatnot but the business side of things is a whole different game and i'm learning i mean i was i don't know if i told you i have a lawyers now that do all my contracts i have a whole team that does marketing for me now that does everything so i know it's the business side is so much crazier than i ever expected than what i'm doing right now and i always like to hear entrepreneurs like how did you end up here? You know, you're dealing. Go ahead. Yeah, doing way more than coffee. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to roast coffee, sell coffee. We're good. And then I'm doing like 20 other jobs. It's yeah, it's been a learning experience. And I'm happy that I can do all these other things. and I can say, oh, hey, I can I can skim through a lease and understand, oh, this doesn't look good. This looks good. Uh, we do have a lawyer as well now. But, um, you know, learning those first time experiences of trying to figure out how do I actually do this or is this actually good? Is, am I getting, uh, am I getting gypped on this? Like, or, you know, so, um, it's always, always a pivot to something. It's hard, man. Like I, I was working with another company and they were like, we need a contract in two days. I've never written a contract. I don't know anything about that. Right. But yeah. luckily, you know, you put yourself around good people who know what they're doing. And I always call it, um, we were talking earlier. I, uh, have a thing in Northeast called on Mondays and Fridays called tabling. And if you've ever been invited to tabling, it's an experience and a half because every business owner in Baltimore City comes over there and they sit down and talk with me. And I got some people in the audience right now who have been. And it's pretty serious because I have had delegates and I have had congressmen. They all come in Northeast Baltimore to talk. And they want to do business, we'll do business and we'll talk up there. I won't go anywhere else. So I'm learning that aspect where you got to come here and then I have advisors that are actually sitting at the table with me. Just making sure that, again, I'm not getting ripped off. I'm right. not getting, somebody wants to throw you 5000 but they want you to do $10,000 worth of work. Right. Those are other eyes and ears. How do you have people around your, in your corner that helps you, help you out with that process? Yeah, um, Mimi being one of them. She uh, is a business owner and has run several businesses, so being able to rely on her. Um, my wife, she is in the legal world, so she's able to provide me some context to, to verbiage on a contract of things. Um, and yeah, I think just any, anyone's willing to help as long as you ask. I felt like with everyone that's been in the, uh, my support group. So it's been, it's been kind of refreshing that I know I can ask a question or call someone that's either here in Baltimore or doesn't even live here and is just in business in general and get some feedback on some stuff just to, you know, am I going in the right direction? Am I navigating this right? So, all right. So let's talk about the name. What is, the, what, is the, what is the name all about? I think I know, but I want you to tell the audience what the name is all about. Yeah, so um, when I came up with the name, I wanted it to be something significant. Um, I remember writing down, putting notes in my, my phone. I had like 50 names on a, uh, on a notepad on my phone, and 
Um, Black Acres just stuck out to me. Um, the name came from 40 Acres and a Mule. I um, have an appreciation for what Spike Lee's done with his uh, film company and being able to you know, magnify the voice of what he's done. Um, I wanted to do something, something similar in the food and beverage industry, so Black Acres is what name I selected. So that comes from uh, plots of land down in the south um, around Civil War time where we were supposed to be given these plots of lands as reparations and it never happened. So it became their like fake land is what they're termed now in the legal world. So um, I wanted to take that because the ownership of what we were having um, from this and then what coffee is as well because coffee is coming from Ethiopia. So that connection right there was what uh, Black Acres was for me, and that's why the name was selected. I love, I love hearing that. I love hearing that. I love learning about that because it's very important. And I'll, I always go back to representation matters. It really does. And seeing what you're doing is inspiring. And for other people that. who might be out here doing the work just like you, now they're like, oh, I can do that? Because when I was growing up, my parents were like, Oh, coffee! Don't drink. You can't drink coffee. Right? Yeah, it'll, my parents didn't it'll make drink you, coffee. It'll make you. Uh, you can't stunt, stunt your growth. That was, <laughs> it was old, you know, old folk tale. Like you know, stunt your growth. You can't have coffee. And now I'm 41. And I started drinking coffee like three years ago. Yeah, I didn't start drinking coffee till I was like 26 in grad school. I had not had coffee before, and when I started drinking coffee, it was just Dunkin' Donuts, nothing crazy, um, and then it just developed into this thing. So how did you acquire the taste then of just doing this? Like just the taste of what the beans, like with flavors. And so we tasted some stuff earlier today. Hope you folks can stay around to taste some of the coffee. It's phenomenal. Um, but tell us like, how did you get the taste? How did you get the feel of it? Was there anybody out there who was a mentor saying, hey, this is what you taste like. This is what you should taste. You know, how did you go through that process? Um, no, so just tasting the coffees, um, going to the roastery, that was really what, put me in a mindset of what you can get out of a coffee and what we're looking for as far as uh, tasting notes. Um, because when you get coffee from Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks or anywhere, you really don't know what the coffee is. You just know that coffee taste. It's like, it's almost like it's a flavor, coffee taste. Um, but being able to roast the coffee for what it was and how it was supposed to taste, I had a new appreciation for the flavors that were actually in the coffee from the farmers that are doing all the work. You know, the, the soil that the coffee's coming from, the process that the coffee's being um, washed in, um, all those things are a factor into what that comes into the cup. So um, just learning how the process was and then taking appreciation for what flavors could come from the cup was really how I started to develop like uh, more of a palate for coffee. Because um, it didn't come the first few times. You, you're still tasting it and you go through this um, cupping is what it's called it's like uh, a wine tasting so we'll taste coffees and we'll we're looking for specific uh, flavor notes uh, acidity body sweetness and so um, once you're able to identify what those different traits are of the coffee it becomes a little bit easier for you to identify the actual flavors in the coffee and it's just not all oh, this is bitter or this is burnt uh, type of flavors I'm a, I'm a latte guy Lattes are good. I'm a, I'm a latte guy. I'm not yeah, we're not, we're not snobbish about the coffee. It's like, you take your coffee however you want. If you want to put 10 sugars in it, cool. That's no problem. It's, it's all the same for us. As long as you want to at least try our coffee, that works for us. So, so when are you going to be quitting day job? That's the question probably everybody out here is listening. Because, <laughs> I mean, you got, you're going, you, you don't have time for Lexington Market and being here. There, there's, no, there's not many hours in a day. I always joke about it because I don't have hours in a day. And everybody asks, how do I do it? I don't know how I do this right now. 
um, but I make it happen. So how are we, how, when, when are we quitting? I might need a part-time job with you, man. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, once we have our full hours here, so we're looking to open up uh, probably like nine to one or two um, in the next uh, two to three weeks. And yeah, I'll, I'll be here. I'll be here every day when we do that. Um, and we'll hopefully have someone hired in a month or so after that once we get a, an idea what foot traffic is. So I think uh, the cafe doors will be that, will be the turning of the page for that. Do you think the pandemic helped you or hurt you? Did you think it gave you more time to focus on this side of the business? Or oh, it was a tremendous help. I had, um, I'd still been working 40 hours a week. And so I would, uh, like a day and what I did was I'd go in, I'd coach CrossFit in the morning, um, six to seven. Then I do coffee from seven till nine, nine thirty. Come home, get ready to go to work. Then go to work, come back home about like four o'clock, and then go back and do coffee. And that was my routine for a good two years. Like that's just all I did is just on repeat. Um, but the pandemic like canceled all that, so I was able just to do coffee all day. And then we were able to actually get closer to the community of Highland Town and Canton because we were able to uh, pivot to a delivery. So we were able to do. Uh, door-to-door -door delivery, people were ordering cold brew, people were ordering bags, people that couldn't leave their house still working from home. So that really kind of opened up and let people know who we were just in the local aspect since we weren't doing um, the cafe thing day-to-day. -day. So you know I had to ask the question. So I'm looking up and I see Trader Joe's. How do, how, you're, in, you're in a Northeast and Trader Joe's right now, right? Northeast? Uh, we're in 60 stores. Wow. Tell us how you got, tell us, the, I mean, that's huge. That's yeah, huge, it's, man. It's, it was amazing. I, it just happened. Um, we reached out to them just to see if we could get coffee in a local store. And they told me to send samples to their uh, corporate store. I was like, oh, what's, because it's in California. And I was like, oh, we're sending coffee there. Like, this is actually kind of big. Um, <laughs> And they tried the coffee, they liked the coffee. We were back and forth on what exactly that looked like or what they were trying to do. And when I still was just thinking, okay, there's like four or five Trader Joe's around like the Baltimore area. Well, this is where we'll be, this is cool. There's no other coffee, like uh, branded coffee in the Trader Joe's. And they're like, oh no, so we're gonna have you do um, all these Trader Joe's, the Mid-Atlantic. And I was like, wait, what's happening? Um, I remember we got the first purchase order. It was uh, for 288 cases of uh, coffee. We had 36 bags in the case. And I emailed the guy back. I was like, hey, got the purchase order. Really excited about this. But um, I think there's a typo on the request for the order. I think you mean 28 boxes, right? Not 288 boxes. He's like, no, 280. I was like, oh, okay, cool. We got that. No problem. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like melting down inside that we have to do this much coffee. Um, but it's been amazing. Um, they've been great. We've had a few orders with them. Uh, coffee's still in uh, D.C., Virginia, Maryland, and New Jersey right now. So um, it's, I'm still just beside myself on the fact that we've been able to have that opportunity. And um, just the feedback we've gotten from people out of state that have gotten the coffee has been tremendous. Uh, new followers because we've had our coffee and uh, Trader Joe's has been great as well. That's a great partnership. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a solid one, yeah. <laughs> That's a big one. That's yeah. a big one. Have you looked at any other places or are you exclusive Trader Joe's right now? No, so yeah, we're actually looking to uh, build a relationship in Whole Foods, Wegmans, and now we're trying to open up the doors to all those other uh, locations. So we're you know, getting on the platform, the buying platform that they're on and see if we can get in there. Yeah, I hear wholesale is the way to go. Yeah, wholesale has been good. Um, I mean, for me, I'm usually the, the back 
the backdoor guy. Like I don't like <laughs> to be in the limelight. So roasting was great because I could just roast. I didn't have to see people. You order online, I ship you coffee. We're good. You, you drink the coffee, I send you more. Cool. Um, but now like we're going to do a cafe and opening up. So more of the front of house stuff is going to happen where we're doing more face to face, even though I was out, you know, doing the pop ups and things. But um, yeah, I like to just be in the cut grinding okay. away. So what does your family say now when they look at what, how successful you've come and where you are right now? Like as far as you are successful in your nine to five, but now in doing this, being an entrepreneur, being a black male doing this, like what has your family said to you? Oh, uh, they've been anything but, they've been so supportive, so supportive about it. Um, my dad's always giddy when he talks about it, uh, telling his friends and uh, family that we have, always like, buy the coffee, buy the coffee, I'll buy you the coffee and I'll bring it to you. Like, he's always trying to push the coffee, so that's been great. Um, my mom's, you know, giving me little tidbits on what to do and how to do it on certain things, so um, it's been great. My brother's been a tremendous help. He works down in North Carolina, so he's he pushed the coffee down there. And then, yeah, I've, all, the, all the family members have really tried to, you know, help us in some way, whether it's just buy a bag for the holidays and, uh, you know, give it to a friend as a gift. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great to have that family support to know that um, they're there for me every step. Well, we, we got through the hard part. Got through the hard part. So, got a real quick, real quick rapid fire. We do this every episode with everybody. Crabs or crab cakes? Crab cakes. Where are, crab, where are you getting crab cakes from? Um, GNA. Okay, okay. We're, we got to get northeast. We got, got a little yeah, place yeah, called Coco. Me. I got a little place called Coco's up there. Uh, I haven't been yet. I got to, 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 get get a little, to check it to out. Get a little place up there. Yeah. All right. Or chicken wings. You know, are you? Are, are, do you like hot sauce on it? Do you like blue cheese? Do you like ranch? Hot sauce. Hot sauce was initially, and then um, I like to pivot to uh, the Maryland style. Uh, Honey Old Bay is a good one as well. That's that's a good. That's a good call. Drums or yeah. flats. Flats. I love flats. Yeah, gotta go yeah, flats. Gotta go flats. And what inspires you every day to do what you do? Just to show people that you can do it. Like, you don't have to have this extensive education or knowledge about something. As long as you're passionate and driven to do something, it, it can really come to fruition. Um, so just knowing that I am, you know, motivated to do this, I think that just helps me stay motivated. And the people that are supportive. They want to see the business be successful, so that's enough for me to know that this is worth it and worth all the all the minutes, all the all the sweat that goes into it. Um, so yeah, just just knowing that we can show other people and the younger generation that you can do anything and not have to have this education or knowledge about something. I love it, man. I love it. I love it. Um, where can we find you on social media? Are you TikToking yet? Because I'm not going to lie to you. No, not yet. I, I'm, I'm afraid of it. It's, uh, it's no, a lot. It's a lot. I'm going to tell you, man. <laughs> I like TikTok. Man. That's my favorite social okay. media right now. You might have to show me a couple it's, things. It's, it's, it's a different thing. It's a whole... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, a, it's a whole animal I haven't yet. Yeah. And where can we find you on social media? I know we said TikTok, but where else can we find you? <laughs> yeah, so we're on uh, Facebook and IG at BlackAcresRoastery.com. And our website is blackacrescoffee.com. Hey, I appreciate you taking time out your day to do this amazing podcast. We got to do some more once you get Alexa Market and keep this partnership and, you know, friendship out here because I really want to support black businesses out here and representation matters. So thank you so much, Mr. Travis. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. It's been great speaking with you. Great getting to know you and your business as well. So look forward to many more conversations. Hey, we call it surviving and thriving. That's what it's all about. Yes. All right, folks. We'll talk to you later.